0: Historically, we can kind of look into what it meant historically to be obedient. Because how many of you know that our concepts of obedience in the, more, in the modern world are a little skewed? Can I get an amen? amen. Come on. The, the performance of what is required or enjoined to authority. How about this one? Abstain from what is prohibited in compliance with a command, act, servidity. You're going to see that in the text. And I love what he says, voluntary obedience can be the only thing that draws us close to God. That's a pretty interesting definition in 1828, isn't it? because it wouldn't be the concept of what we think of today when we think of obedience. Our relationship with God, how we relate to God and how we relate to others, how we love God and how we love others. It's so key, so basic, and yet so hard. Let's talk about marriage. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits, and here's the word submit, I place myself under. That's literally how it plays. I'm, I'm willing to place myself under to Christ. So, as, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Should we go back to that one? Is this the normal concept of what marriage looks like in modernity, in our common day? Probably not. I, I didn't think this was such a, a radical thought when I first did my first marriage here. And uh, Keith will know that I, I did, I actually married Stephen and Sam and it was awesome and it was so wonderful and I loved every minute of it. And, and Shanley sang No Longer Slaves at that wedding. And we did the wedding. And it was after I read this passage of scripture, which I thought was relatively normative for a Christian marriage, that Keith's wonderful sister decided that she was going to come and talk to me. That was my first experience of having someone in Scotland actually come after me. I'd only been here a week. We don't like submit. We don't like obey. We don't even like those words in our vocabulary anymore, and they're being eradicated and erased from almost every area of our society. Why? Because they're hard words, and sometimes they come with connotations, and sometimes the way we treat each other inside of those things is wrong. And yet God still values those as social fabric for society. Submit yourself to the governing authorities. For as you do, you're submitting to who? To God. Submit to one another. Out of what? Reverence. I don't know about you, but marriage is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It actually is really wonderful. And yet, we have a statistic uh, in which marriage is now on the rise in Scotland. Very interesting. But those marriages are not being based on Jesus Christ, they're being based on something completely different. So the the concept of Christian marriage really is changing. But the will of the Lord hasn't changed at all. Submit to one another out of reverence of Christ. Now. I always thought it would be a very hard one for obedience because um, obedience is a difficult thing, but you know what's even harder? Loving. Did you know that? Showing love and displaying love is a much more difficult task. Sometimes it's easy for us to just obey, but it's hard to love. Ever have that happen? We can do the right things, we can say all the right Words, we can tick all the right boxes, but are our hearts transformed by the living God? So much so that we live out of what? Love. Husbands, love. Take pleasure in your wives. Do you know how hard that is? No man is going to say amen to that one. It is hard. And it's One of those things that we are commanded to do, to love our wives. And there's something beautiful about loving your wife. And there's something very important about loving your wife. And when God puts those type of marriages together in which each person is playing their part, no one more better or worse than the other, but playing out different roles, what happens is, God gets the glory. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about here, because he says this, love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing, of the, the washing of water through the word. This is exactly what Jesus did to make you clean. He died on the cross, he rose from the dead. We, get, we, we go into that place of baptism, but we also recognize that while Jesus was on the cross, What was it? It was the blood and the water pierced. That, what? Saves us. Makes us clean. He died. He demonstrated his love for us so much so that, what? He laid down his life. He is the one who makes us clean when we become born again. And he presents her, the church. He's going to present her, a radiant church, to the Father in the end. Without stain, wrinkle, or blemish, but holy, and what? Blameless. Now I can tell you this, I cannot present Courtney holy and blameless before God. The only person that can do that is Jesus Christ. But in a way, as it says right here in green, in the same way, I should love my wife as I love my own body. I love my showers in the morning. Do you love your showers in the morning? I love to clean myself. I love to take care of myself. And when I'm hungry, do you know what I like to do? Feed myself. And do you know what else I like to do? When I'm I'm needing a bit of exercise, I go and I exercise to make myself feel better. See, each of us love ourselves in a certain way. And in this way, As you love your own body, you love your own wife. He who loves his wife loves him, what? Self. See, God is calling us to deeper moments in which we have to love ourselves. Now, all of us love ourselves on a level, right? Those are very physical things, and I love myself, and I maintain myself by doing them. But that doesn't mean that I always love myself mentally. And it's God's calling on our lives as men to to actually love ourselves in a way in which we have confidence, in which we are able to build up, in, in a way in which we are able to wash our own wives in the word, which is not easy, but we do it. Why? Because this is the call of God on our lives. We open up scripture together. We read together. Now, let me tell you, there are seasons in marriage in which sometimes this happens and sometimes it doesn't. Can I get an amen? It's true. And it doesn't mean that we should actually condemn each other because it's not happening. I want to say this. I've started every sermon in this. This is not Paul's condemnation letter over us. It's his accommodation letter to us. He doesn't want us to live in condemnation. He wants us to grow as disciples. And if you walk out of this passage and you look at each other and go, I'm condemning you, I'm condemning you, I dislike what you do, you did this wrong. You know what? you missed the whole point. Because you're no longer serving each other. and, And actually what? Submitting to one another out of reverence. Marriage, life, Families, work is hard enough without condemnation. Can I get an amen? Paul is just giving the Ephesian church a bit of a shot in the arm. Hey, this is how we live. And the key word that we're gonna find is just be obedient. If God says to bring flowers to your wife, just what? Do it if he says, you know, take her on a night away, men, just do it. Ladies, if you know that he loves something that you do, and you you know it brings him joy, just what? Do it. It's that simple. (laughs) Did I get an amen from a man there? Okay. (sighs) Notice what happens here. Nobody hates their body. We already talked about that. You know, all members are one body. For this reason, man will leave his father and his mother. And he goes to Genesis chapter 2. Obviously, that's where everything for Paul banks in the Torah, in the, in the Old Testament. Paul is not making up some new religion. He is actually banking everything in the Jewish traditions and the Jewish understanding. Um, and he says, this is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ in the church. And I think that's interesting because so often we'll just completely apply this to only our marriage when in reality God is applying it to us as a collective people. We are being sanctified. We are being made whole. Why? Because of Jesus. Not because of what we do all the time. Living out these social codes is not this standard because all of us will fall short of the standards in which God gives us. And I get, please, an understanding to that. That's why there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And here's why we become new creations when we become born again. What The old has gone, the new has come. He said it earlier in Ephesians that we put off the old self and we put on the new self. We're gearing up to live out differently than the world. And this is exactly what Paul is doing when he's saying, we're going to live differently than the Ephesians. Or The Ephesians are going to live differently than the people in Ephesus who will not conform their will to Christ. I don't know about you, but the church, the church in this day needs to stand up and be the church. We need to be the type of people that people look on and go, I really want to be like them. Because the way they live, and the way they treat each other, and the way they act, and the way their marriages function, that's something special. And let me tell you something. We minister in an area where marriage is no longer seems to be the most important thing. Raising kids, it's important to us, and I'm sure it's important to some people, and I can't say that people outside the church don't care about the way they raise their kids. They do. But let me tell you something. It's really important. Jesus, in the middle of your kids' lives, very, very important. Verse 33, respect your husband. I can tell you this. Men, and I just want to speak from a man's perspective to the women. Men will lay down their lives for each other in war. And in that sense, it's love because it's respect. Respect. When men respect each other, they will do things for each other. They will honor each other. They will bring honor to each other. Wives, if you want love from your husband, we we used to run Bible studies out of our house called Love and Respect. Show respect to your husband, and he will love you, and love you, and love you, and love you. Why? Because it's an endless cycle of love and respect. And I know this after living with five women in my house forever. They need love. They need words of affirmation. And I'm going to tell you this, I am not an expert. None of us are experts, but we're growing. Can I get an amen on that one? We're trying, all right? How about children? I have four children. They're all very different. Each of you have, some of you have raised children, some of you have not. Some of you are uh, in the process of of raising children. Notice the the first word that comes out when he says this. He says, wives, obey. Notice he's using the same word for children. See, there's something unique about Giving yourself to each other in which you say, you know what, I'm gonna, I am want to do my best for you. No matter what happens, I'm going to try my best. And you know what, that means my acts have to change. The way I live out my life with my children have to change. Same thing goes for the Ephesians. Hey, you know the world does it this way. What I'm asking you to do is to do it a more Jewish way. Notice what he says. Obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Have you ever used that verse for your kids, by the way? My kids have heard that verse from me they don't really like it, but they've heard it. Honor your mother and your father, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you that you may enjoy a long life on earth. Paul, Paul's giving an interpretation there. He's saying this. That was given as a command in the Ten Commandments, in the Ten Words. Honor your mother and your father. And it comes with a blessing if you actually do it. How many of you have ever listened to your parents and actually it worked out for you? How many of you have disregarded what your parents have said and it didn't go so well for you? Yeah. Obey, honor, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training, Literally, word, literal word there is discipline and instruction in the Lord. The Bible says to discipline yourself for the purpose of what? Anybody know? It's found in Timothy. Godliness. Look at at Psalm 1. Psalm 1, if you're following along. Notice what Psalm 1 was intended to do. Psalms were given so that men could train men Older men can train younger men in the Lord and give them wisdom on how to live this life. We need to be a people that actually have the ability to train the younger generation, which is why we're investing so heavily into the younger generation, because the younger generation are sailing along in an ocean that is completely what? Rudderless. They have no idea where they're going. And it's not that our society is sitting around saying, hey, I've got some wisdom for you and knowledge for you. Notice what he says here. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. For what? Gaining wisdom and instruction. For understanding words of insight. For receiving instruction in prudent what? Prudent what? Do we have a behavior problem in most schools? Do we have a behavior problem in society? Yes. Huh. Doing what is right and just and fair, for prudence to those who are simple. Let me tell you something. My children are very simple. Have you ever noticed that about children? They're very simple. They say simple things. They're not complicated. How many of you really wanted to be an astronaut when you were a kid? I did. I did. You know what I also wanted to be? A pirate. I'm so thankful. I'm really thankful, actually, that God didn't call me to be a pirate. Because in today's society, I would have had to have one of my eyes plucked out in some kind of surgery. And and a peg leg. But don't worry. In our society, we can do that. Because we we can change everybody from the outside. But the question is, can we change them from the inside? Only God can do that. Because we need to know what is prudent and right. Knowledge, discretion to the young. Let wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. do you know what Paul's teaching in the back room right there right now? Parables. Why? Because it is able to make you wise in understanding, in theme. The theme of forgiveness today. How many of, how many of us need to understand that? Pretty important. Notice in verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but the fool despises wisdom and what? Instruction. Okay? I want to go back. Bring them up in the training and the fear and the admonition of the Lord. What are we trying to do as Christians? We're trying to raise children who actually can live out their faith well, can be good citizens, can actually make a difference in the world. It is not going to be easy for you because they have little minds themselves. Have you noticed that? But what do we do? We set the parameters. That's what we do when we're raising children. We set the parameters. We teach them how to understand that authority matters. I have have one child, I won't mention who it is. Um, She is one of those children who actually challenges you on everything. Have you ever had one of those kids? She challenges you on every little detail, and she will come hard at you, And and keep challenging you. And do you know what she needs? Clear boundaries. And she knows that daddy says yes, and daddy says no. We need a society in which we gain and train children in the fear and admonition of the Lord by saying what? Yes? And no? Let me tell you something. That's not happening everywhere. In our society. I'm not saying that some of the new strategies for teaching. And all those trainings are, are not. They're not bad. Some of them are very good. And very warranted. And very helpful. And they are very advantageous. But there are some times. In the life of a young person. And in the life of a family. Where you need to just say. No. And what will happen is. You will teach that child. Discipline and honor, and what it means to live under authority. You want to know why? It becomes very important because one day they will grow up when they're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 25, 27, 35, and they will work for someone else. And they will have to understand what it means to live under authority. And they will have to learn out the act of servility, I can remember going into my first job. I went into a pharmaceutical company after I graduated with my degree. And when I was in this pharmaceutical company, I was doing sales, and I had a boss that was terrible. And I didn't like what she did, and I didn't like who she was, but I can tell you this, that I honored my job. And where did I learn that? Well, I had parents that actually taught me morals. They taught me right and wrong. I had learned that from my grandparents. My grandfather who fought in the war, he would sit and talk to me about what it means to actually be under a level of authority and how many men sacrificed themselves for each other. And I learned those things and I embodied those things. And this, I'm telling you, I didn't even know the Lord. So when the word of the Lord came to me, I recognized very clearly I've been learning biblical principles pretty much my whole life. But we are now in a society, now a generation later, that is not learning those principles. So what seems easy for us, which it's not, will be devastatingly hard for them. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, we've got to go to the last group. See, Paul has still social codes that have to be lived out. And before we get to the point where we can say, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, put on the full armor of God, we've got to look at one last group of people. And you could liken this, slaves, doulos. Doulos are literally bond servants. They sell themselves to their master. All of us are called by God to sell ourselves to Christ in many ways. When God illuminates himself to us and he says to us, take up your cross and what? We literally obediently obey that charge. Obey your earthly masters with what? Respect? Notice notice how all of them have started with what? Obey. Paul is not making a mistake here. He's very intentional. He's trying to say, "Hey, this this act of obedience triggers grace. It triggers love. It triggers ability. It triggers the the ability to live in community. Why, because we're putting ourselves aside for one another, whether that's in marriage, or whether that's how we raise our kids. How many of you had to sacrifice for your children every day? Have you ever carpooled your kid around for 20 years? Some of you are like, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm 10, you know? Or you're, you're right now, you're waking up early in the morning, take your grandchildren. You're sacrificing that way. You know what? So vital. But you are doing what God has called you to do. Obey your earthly masters, respect and fear. And, wish, and with sincerity of heart, it all comes down to our hearts, doesn't it? God is always driving towards the heart. It's very hard not to live, to live out Christianity, where you, you just get into this moral thing where I'm just going to do stuff you have to examine your heart. Why am I doing what I do? And he's asking these people who live inside these homes and mind you, in Ephesus, these homes are the church. There is no church building. Just as you would obey Christ, obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, Doing the will of God from your heart. I know a lot of children. And I know a lot of teachers. How many of you are teachers? I see one in the back. I know. I know a lot of teachers. And I know this. That some children actually, they do everything that's good in front of you, don't they? But when it comes to when you've turned your back, they go in an opposite direction. We as adults can actually do the same thing. And when he's talking to these slaves who live in these households, who've sold themselves to God, who have actually put an ear, they've, they've actually gone and put their, their ear against a post, because that, tra- that was the typical tradition, and they would, they would put an earring up there and they would pound the earring into the individual's ear. And that would be a symbol to everyone that I have laid down my life, I'm going to live in his household, and I'm going to be his servant. Now, as I serve him, Paul is saying this, don't just do it with eye service. Don't just do it with lip service. Do it with what? The heart. I love when my children actually do something out of their heart. And I ask them to do something and they have the right heart about it. I'm sure that God loves it when we actually ask, he asks us to do something and we have the right heart about it. Right? Serve. That's a, that's a good word. Serve wholeheartedly as though you're serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will what? Reward you, will reward each one of you for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or whether they are free. Do you realize everything that we do in this life, God is taking accounts. And one day we will, have, we will stand before him for the Bemis seat judgment, not even the great white throne judgment where he just, he just puts our book, our name, he goes, oh, your name's in the book of life? Great, you're in. He's going to look at the way that we live, which is even harder because then you know you're going to actually have to go through fire. And you know what? It's, it's going to burn up. Some of the things that we do are going to be wood and stubble and hay and they're just going to... Some of it will be gold. How how much gold do you have, do you want? Then maybe Paul's saying to us, it would be good if you learned what authority means. It would be good for you to know obedience. It would be good for you to look on at others and esteem them more than yourself. It would be good that you actually love yourself in a way so much so that you're able to really love other people. Because the world is filled with hurt people who tend to hurt a lot of people. You ever notice that? Because hurt people hurt people. Christian, you're not called that way. Masters, because nobody's getting out of this one. He's talk about the slave, but now the masters. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them. Do not threaten them. Since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. Let me share something with you, God. There's no respecter of man. And I'll tell you this. No one's getting out from God's sight. Doesn't matter who you are. God is able to see what you do, who you are. He is sovereign. He's omnipresent. He's he's omnipotent. He's got everything. There is no favoritism with God. None of us are better than each other. Not one of us. And we need to learn how to treat each other in that way with reverence. This means we'll submit to each other. Sorry. I, Howard Marshall, taught at the University of Aberdeen. He was an old man by the time I arrived there in 2010 um, and died not too long after that. But he was a great theologian. He wrote all kinds of commentaries. Um, I got to sit in one of his classes once and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm sitting under a living legend. And he wrote this. What if anything, what, what if anything, and he's talking specifically about these passages of scripture. What, if anything, has it to teach today about family and relationships in somewhat different social settings? Let me share. What are you going to take away from this? Hopefully, it's not my words. Hopefully, you just take away what the Bible says. But how's it going to change you? How's it going to change me? What am I going to do differently as I live out my life? with people, with the people I work with, with the people that uh, I I see, with my children, with my family. How am I going to live in this day? And the question for us will be, what will we put in place so that we can actually live out a life of love? That's it. If we want to be like God, God is what? Love. Love. That's it. I wish I had more answers for you. It's pretty, pretty basic, isn't it? It's some of the hardest things we'll ever do in our lives. And we need to be praying for those people in our society who are getting married, who are making that Christian marriage important, We need to be praying for those families that are broken. And some of you may be from broken families. And let me share something with you. That's okay. That's okay. That's good. Because you are the light into that family. You are the avenue of God's grace into that family. You are the mercy of God into that family. You are the kindness into that family. You might be the example of obedience into that family. I'm going to close with one last story, and I'm going to invite Stephen to come back up. When I go to Iowa, which I go next week, I always tend to end up with my primary school classmates. I don't even understand why, but we end up together. And when we arrive, there is always a question mark. See, I was a tyrant as a young primary school kid. Can you imagine that? Don't you dare answer that question. I was crazy. And they always ask me, why we can't understand how you've transformed can't get it. And they always open up doors of opportunity for me to share about Jesus and his love and his grace and his mercy. And my desire to take up the cross daily and follow him. An obedient task for each of us to do. And so my prayer for you is that as we leave this place today, we take up the cross that God has called us to carry to love each other but to live out these social codes in a way that make us light in a dark world. That's what we're here for, to be transformed and changed by the Spirit of God. Conform more into the image of what Jesus looks like than we did when we arrived. I want to invite you into something. I want you to invite you into that wonderful opportunity, but I also want to invite you into something that we're going to do after church. Many of you know that we've been talking about this mission project. And before you leave this place, and before we give the benediction, and before we sing our last song, I'm going to say this, that get a tea and a coffee. And then I want, to, I want to invite you to come up into the sanctuary. And I want you to bring a Bible verse that God is speaking to you about. And I want you to write it on the wall as a testimony of who God is before we start this project. And it can be on any theme it needs to be. But there's a number of them already written on the walls. And I've brought in Sharpies so that we get a little more permanency. Because I realize some of those can wipe off. But there's Sharpies up there. If God is calling you, please go up afterwards. Make your way into the sanctuary. I will be up there. And let's write down some verses. And if you are Ukrainian and, and you want to write in Ukrainian, write it in Ukrainian. If you are, are from Hong Kong and you want to write it in Mandarin or whatever, you write it in that language. If, if you want to write it in Dundonian, good luck. <laughs> let's pray.